Ladies and gentlemen. Cash value to that acquisition. Now, when you think about that, it is a digital fingerprint of that evidence that we just acquired. If anyone changes even one bit of data within that evidence file, it will totally invalidate the MD5 and create a totally new signature on that particular piece of evidence, okay? So for every device that Mr. Bennett mentioned um, that we imaged, we performed that exact process. Uh, we know who imaged it, we know when they imaged it, we know where it was imaged to, and that is a controlled item within our evidence um, and chain of custody handling uh, procedure. We then took uh, those digital copies and we maintain one of those digital copies as um, primary evidence. And so we lock that away in a US government GSA approved safe to ensure that uh, no one would access it and that it is there as the primary evidence uh, for the basis of our analysis. We then created um, uh, examination copies that we have used for the um, determination of the cybersecurity status and other aspects of those, of those systems. Okay. So I must reiterate, not a single bit of data was ever changed on any device that came into our possession. So, Madam President, uh, Mr. Cotton, um, are you saying that there, the machines were not damaged or tampered with in any way where they couldn't be used again? And if they were, you have implemented that uh, people can check and see whether that was done. Um, Senator, that, that is correct. So um, we have exactly a bit-for-bit -bit image of these systems as we received them, okay? We did not modify, we did not uh, change any uh, chips, we did not access any um, anything other than the hard drives uh, for those systems. So if there were any changes to the original equipment, those had to have occurred within the custody of the Maricopa County um, Board of Supervisors, not with uh, the custody of the auditors. Okay. Mr. Peterson, Senator Peterson, may I ask a question? Yes, of course. Uh, Mr. Cotton, while we're trying to keep this official, Mr. Cotton, um, recently in the news, I don't know if you have heard or not, but um, our Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs, made a statement a few weeks ago that she would not allow these machines to be used again because she could not verify um, that we had not, you not us, you had tampered with them. Um, I, I, I don't understand that statement because it is um, my understanding that when election machines, no matter whose machines they are, that election machines are supposed to be calibrated and certified before any election goes on to make sure that those machines are haven't been tampered with certified calibrated correctly and i believe they do that also after an election 
So I'm, I have this question I don't understand. <laughs> How can the Secretary oh. of State say that she can't certify the machines weren't tampered with when supposedly we have people that certified people that come to certify machines are tampered with? It doesn't make sense. Can you explain <laughs> that to me, please? Madam President, I certainly understand your confusion and I share that with you. Uh, I'd like to also reiterate that as part of our evidence handling procedure, we had cameras watching over our evidence uh, storage facilities and our um, acquisition and replication procedures 24 seven, okay? So any form of tampering certainly would have been caught on video. Um, however, we did not do anything of the sort that would have interfered with any of the machine configurations or, or any of the uh, allegated uh, tampering that, that uh, the Secretary of State has, has uh, alleged. Um, well, Madam President, if I may, just, uh, um, this is more just, a, I think, a comment or a statement along with your concern here. And I think this could be something we need to look at legislatively. Um, if we have a process, and, and from what I've heard, it's about $8,000. You know, the county did an audit for $8,000 or $20,000, whatever it was, to certify and make sure that machines were not tampered with. And this is also part of a process before an election. If that process doesn't work, <laughs> then uh, and we're saying that is not valid because somebody doing an audit ruins that and you can't recertify it. It sounds like that we need to, we need to have something else. There needs to be another process <laughs> that works <laughs> that you truly, maybe it's the truly certification uh, and verification that machines have not been tampered with process. I don't know what it's called, but anyways, um, I share your concern. I think that's a good, um, bullet point for us to be looking at for future future legislation. If I also might add, Madam President, um, that position that they must replace all of the uh, voting equipment is at odds with the public statements that were made by the Maricopa County um, officials following the uh, two independent audits that they conducted um, early in this year. So, and those statements would be what? Those statements would be that uh, uh, they were able to go in and validate that uh, no firmware had changed, that there was no changes to those systems, and that the election was, uh, in, in their phraseology, legitimate. Okay. So, Madam President, if I may just continue on with some of the digital forensics questions here. Um, can you um, uh, continue to just tell us what's with what you've received, uh, what have you received, um, and what has been done with what you've received so far? So, uh, Mr. Bennett went through the list of devices that uh, that we have received. I would add to that list that he. Um, Could you just repeat it real quick, just so we sure. can so compartmentalize have, it with the digital forensics? We have received 385 tabulators. Okay. Okay. Those are the uh, Dominion ICP2s. We have received. Um, the county EMS server, EMS once again, is the election management system, secret server. We received um, physical devices 
correlating to the EMS station function, to the adjudication function. Um, we have received 11 uh, hard drives that contained uh, cloned images of uh, various other systems within uh, the EMS eco ecosystem slash network. Of interesting note, however, is on those 11 hard drives, which contain cloned data, uh, they did not use a forensically secure process to image those original systems. So the dates and times on those cloned systems were altered by their cloning process. So just uh, an FYI. Um, with all of the digital devices that we have received, whether in physical or digital form, we have created a forensic uh, copy of each one of those devices as prescribed in the um, in the procedures that I just outlined to you. Okay. We have taken those uh, digital uh, forensics copies and we have conducted keyword searching across them looking for uh, internet connections, looking for um, anomalous or unauthorized connections into the system. We have uh, conducted searches looking for malware on those systems. Uh, we have also created virtual systems of those forensics images to conduct live memory analysis on those uh, virtual systems. And, and that's where we are today. So what have we not received from the county that we um, were supposed to get to be able to um, do the forensic analysis. So, I think if I'm going to put these in order of criticality, uh, we have not received the uh, router configuration files. We have not received the router data. And uh, Mr. Bennett and myself were in uh, multiple uh, conversations with county officials in which they had agreed to provide that information to us. Um, we had actually entered into a compromise with the county in which uh, they would provide us with virtual access uh, to that data in addition to providing us with uh, Splunk NetFlow data um, with a time period of uh, approximately uh, 90 days prior to the election and 60 days after the election. Um, and we had agreed to that. Um, we have not received that uh, due to a response from the county uh, in May stating that they would not provide that because the data um, would compromise law enforcement operations and would also potentially compromise PII information of Maricopa County residents that had not already been uh, turned over as part of the audit request. Okay, now tell us the significance of us not, why do you need to look at the um, routers and the router data and the Splunk logs that they have, that they originally told us they were going to give us and now they have, you know, they, they're they not going to provide that or they're saying they won't provide that. What's the significance of that? Well, it's critically important to, to uh, substantiate some findings that we are seeing um, through the uh, keyword searching in the process that I've already mentioned. Um, there are a number of things that we know as a matter of fact have occurred that we need to further take that information and validate that information. 
So for example, we know uh, through public record, as well as legal action and law enforcement action um, surrounding that particular incident. Um, the, the registration server that was public facing um, did have unauthorized access to that in, in, in uh, cybersecurity terms, it was breached. We, we know that uh, the county has accepted that as an unauthorized breach because they actually issued a letter to a small subset of the voters who were affected by that breach. And they issued that in January of 2021. In that letter, they did acknowledge that there was unauthorized access in November uh, to that to that server. Okay, so that's that's one item. Um, second item is it has become readily apparent in the course of our analysis that there are severe cybersecurity problems with the way the election management system and network was maintained. Okay. For example, yeah, you yeah, yeah, for example, um, if you walk into an average home computer, you will find that the antivirus definitions that protect that system from malware have been updated within the last week. You will find that there have been system security patches uh, sent by Microsoft or by Apple, typically within the last week, Microsoft does it weekly. Um, and you would find that that system is patched and the antivirus definitions are up to date. Sadly, that is not the case for any of the endpoints that we have looked at inside of the Maricopa County uh, election management system. Okay. The last time that the antivirus was updated on these systems was the date that the Dominion software was installed on the systems. That happens to be August of 2019. There have been no operating system updates or patches on this system since that same date. What that creates is a, a tremendous vulnerability to anyone who could get access through a system such as if, for example, the, uh, uh, the registration server uh, was serving as a jump box. In other words, it was dual uh, networks so that it was public facing and also private facing into the election system. If someone accessed that system, they would have uh, no difficulty at all um, effectively penetrating and getting uh, system level access uh, at the current patch state and um, antivirus state of these systems. So, Madam uh, President, Mr. Cotton, um, if, if they could have act if they were able to get access how long would it take somebody to to um, hack in or whatever to this their the vulnerabilities that exist on these systems would take an average script key less than 10 minutes to get access to these systems okay so this is high vulnerability situations so we need to get the routers it's clear we need to get the routers we need even if it's just a report they can scan it, they can look at it, they can do whatever they need to do to make it safe. 
Um, we just need to see the traffic during this election or during this period that you're looking for. Now they brought up security concerns. Are these, are these, do you believe these are valid concerns that they brought up um, from sharing their, the router traffic or router reports with us, anything from the router? Are these valid security concerns from your, from your point of view? They're not. And let me, let me explain why. So when you think about a router, um, think about someone delivering the mail to your mailbox, okay? Um, that router is simply the mail carrier, okay? On a standard envelope that you might mail to your mother, you're going to put your return address, you're going to put the address that it's going to, and then you put that in the mailbox. The mail carrier looks at that, it knows where to, they know where to route that, and they will simply route that letter so it's delivered in the mailbox of your mother. With a router, it's very similar. For each packet of data that you have, you have a, an address to where it's going to, you have an address of where it came from, so that any response can come right back to that system. But what you don't have is the actual content or the letter that's contained in the envelope within the within the router itself. Okay, so just to that point, we're not, you won't see social security numbers or uh, uh, driver's licenses or sensitive, people sensitive data on this. You will not. Okay. That point, Senator Peterson. So when we're talking about the addresses, is this what is known as the IP addresses? Is that, am I on the right track on this? Yes, ma'am. So that it's actually a combination of, of two elements. One is the IP address, which everyone's very familiar with. But typically on the return side, you will also have what's known as a MAC address. And that is a unique identifier for the communicating device that actually sent the packet. Okay, so for example, if you've got a wireless phone, your wireless modem has a unique MAC address so that if you're behind a, a home router or something like that, um, it will know where to deliver that uh, that return packet to. Okay. One of my so, concerns, I'm sorry, oh, uh, please. Um, when we received the letter from Sheriff Penzone stating that they uh, we would not get the routers because of a potential security issue, the one thing that stuck in my mind, um, I just heard you say that there is not a valid security concern there, but just hypothetically, if for some reason they think that there's a security concern, my question is, is why would they be using the same router as our election systems as, as other, if there's even a small remote possibility that they think that somebody could be jeopardized? Why are we sharing routers with other, uh, with other agencies? Why don't they have their own personal secure router? Ma'am, I can't answer why they shared that space, but once again, this is one of those situations where what they've told the public is drastically different than the apparent reality in response to a legal subpoena. Okay, so from a from a public response standpoint, Maricopa County officials have repeatedly uh, stated that the election system was a closed system; it did not touch the internet, and by therefore. Um, it could not have commingled 
with the data from the Sheriff's Department or the Maricopa County uh, other office space. The fact that they have responded back to an official subpoena with the justification that to produce that data would compromise these other aspects of the Maricopa County network that does touch the internet is an admission that maybe things aren't like what they've told the American public. So, uh, Mr. Cotton, um, we've talked about the routers, um, Splunk logs. Uh, again, why, uh, why do we need the Splunk logs? So, and I also want to ask about that we also, um, you mentioned, have not received um, the passwords, the tokens. Why do we need, uh, why do we need those things? So if I can address the, the, the first part of that question, Senator Peterson. Um, so part of the challenge that we have is that specifically, on, I'll use the EMS server as an example. The Windows security log, or the Windows security event log, some people would call that, um, actually only goes back to the 5th of February of 2021. Now there are a couple of things. So after the election. After the election. Okay. Um, so we, we would need this data to cover and help fill in the blanks back to the election. Okay. But more importantly, there's, there's, there's an aspect to that security log that bears consideration. And so The security log was set to retain approximately 20 megabytes of data. And the way that works is it, it, it operates on a first in, first out principle. As soon as you hit uh, 20 megabytes of data, the oldest entry uh, gets deleted um, in the next, you know, and so it just continually rolls like that uh, to, to maintain the constraints on the, uh, uh, on that data space. When um, when we took a look at this, um, we found specifically in March, and I believe it was March 11th, there were 37,646 queries for a blank password on a system that only contained eight accounts. Now, given the short time period that, that that happened, that clearly was a script that was executed um, by the user um, uh, EMS admin. Okay. Um, what we don't have, because of the, the lack of logs and the condition of that system, is where did that script come from? Okay, so. By leveraging the router information and by leveraging the uh, Splunk information, I should be able to determine who was using the EMS admin account uh, at that particular time and where did that originate from. So just to be clear on this, were there 37,000 logins on one day? Is that what you're saying? Well, would you, how would you so, identify uh, this? When you're doing a uh, a security check on a system, it's very common for you to look for 
uh, passwords that have uh, a null password or a blank password, right? And so you can query the device itself to, to let you know whether or not there are any uh, accounts that have a blank password on them. So it's a query? I'm just looking for what you're calling this. It's, 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 it's a query. So there's 37,000 queries, yes. and they were done on this one day. And the reason we need the Splunk logs is because those 37,000 queries churned the, the data so that you can only look back to February 5th, or what was the date? Uh, February 5th. Fe February 5th. That's correct. And obviously, we need to go back to the election. <laughs> we need to be looking at the election day, prior to the election day, looking at access. So we don't have that, what we were given, we don't have that um, that window, which is the critical window we need to look at. That's correct. Okay. Um, so obviously we, we need the routers uh, or just the data and just, or just how about we just start with March 11th, the 37,000 queries, I mean, Give us something here. Um, what about the the machines, um, the Dominion machines, the tokens for the machines? Why do we need those? So, within the uh, the administrative functions of the Dominion uh, ICPs, uh, you have basically a couple of different levels or, or roles, as they call them, inside of the uh, EMS software. The current state, so we have completely cre uh, recreated a virtual EMS. I am able to burn uh, these little fobs or I button keys, uh, as they really are. And those give me security access at whatever role I'm permitted to burn inside of the EMS. Currently inside of the EMS construct, there is only one role, and that is of poll worker. Within the Dominion ICPs, poll workers as a role, even if you give them admin access, do not get access to the configuration of that device itself. So on each of these ICPs, and these are ICP2s, uh, we know that there are two NIC cards. We know that they can be configured with um, uh, wireless modems. We know that they can be configured with cellular modems. So the purpose of requiring this information is to get a configuration for each of those systems that shows how they were configured, what, was, what is enabled, what is not enabled, and more importantly, I can get the MAC addresses uh, for each of those devices. Now, if you recall our previous conversation on the router data, where you have an IP address, you have a MAC address. It then becomes a very simple process to say, did any of these MAC addresses ever touch the internet? It's very simple. So um, it, it sounds like Maricopa County does not have access to this. Um, Dominion only has access to this. Why would why is it important for Maricopa County to be able to have access to this? Well, your your assumption appears to be true. Um, so when we ask them for the administration level uh, fobs, um, we received a response back um, to the same, within the same letter as the uh, router data, 
saying that they have provided us everything that they have access to. And uh, the inference obviously there is that only the contract dominion employees, uh, you know, contracted by Maricopa County have access to configure those ICPs and to get access to the uh, configuration or technician aspects of those ICPs. Uh, where this becomes important is that if you as a county cannot validate the configuration independently of the vendor, then how do you ever validate a election system that it's safe to vote? Okay, because you don't know. As a, as a county, it's your responsible to validate uh, and certify those systems prior to a vote. Okay, so I would uh, I would suggest that at this point, based on the evidence that has been provided to me, that the Maricopa County uh, officials do not have the ability to independently verify the configurations of their systems um, without using Dominion employees. Oh, so, Madam President, so again, I think this is just kind of another bullet point for us, um, you know, something for future legislation. We always, we always want to make sure, I think that, um, and if this is the case, this is just with what we've been able to see so far, um, perhaps, uh, and we'd love to hear from the county on whether they can, if they do have access, then great. If the county has, can get this administrative access um, where they can, you know, look at the tabulators. We want to make sure that the state, the county, can always be at a higher level of administration than these third parties that we're using. So that it's us doing the elections, it's the, the county doing the elections. So this, I think, is another thing that we um, need to make sure that we address you know, um, either now get a, 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 we need to get a response of that they do have access to this and they can you know audit this themselves and control this or this is something that we need to make sure in the future that we are we are able to do question and I don't know that you have an answer but I'm going to throw it out and maybe we can put it on our list of questions to ask um, originally, the Board of Supervisors had agreed to do a forensic audit with us, which is what we wanted. We did not want the ballots moved. We would not want the machines moved. And that's the path I thought we were going on until they went into an executive session and said they were going to do their own audits uh, using two companies that are authorized to certify the machines. And so they did these two audits. One was pro BNB, one was SLI. Thank you. Those two. If they had done the audit, as Senator Peterson said, why did they not come up with this information and report it as well? Um, I don't know that you'd have an answer. I just it's, probably can't speak for you guys. I can't speak to what their scoping was. I would suspect that a full uh, cybersecurity audit was not part of their scoping. That uh -huh. what I would surmise. Um, but the reports that were produced by both of those audit firms clearly did not address the cybersecurity aspects oh. that we have, we have found. And there's another finding that, uh, you know, you would think that any audit firm would uh, would be looking at, and that is commonality of passwords. So what we have found is that 
for all the administrative accounts, no matter what the name of that account was, um, they shared the same password. Okay. Now that password appears to have been established at the same time that the Dominion software was installed on these systems, which August of uh, 2019, and does not appear to have been changed during that entire time period. So once again, and so to that point, what would be the what what would be the recommendations with what's the industry standard with passwords and recommendations with password best practices with that? Well, first and foremost, um, the shared password eliminates one of the very critical items of cybersecurity, and that is uh, we cannot attribute the actions of a given uh, username back to an individual because these were all shared passwords. Literally anyone who had any access to any admin account could have been able to use any other admin account. So accountability um, is, is out the window, right, from an individual aspect. Um, from a cybersecurity standpoint, it is- Now, just to be clear, when we're talking about these passwords, these are the passwords for the server. This is not the machine admin password you're talking about. What, which passwords are you talking about? We're talking about the EMS admin password. We're talking about the adjudication admin password. So this is not the Dominion machine uh, that operates as a password. This is the EMS, meaning the uh, election servers, not so, the Dominion uh, <laughs> uh, So the, there is a correlation <clears throat> between the Dominion Windows accounts and the Dominion functions. So you can't separate the two. In other words, when you log into the into the EMS server, for example, you will enter in the EMS admin uh, username, then you'll enter in the password. Okay, that provides you single sign-on access into all of the functions of the EMS software. So these two things are tied together. Right. But I'm what I'm trying to make sure people that's clear for people to understand is that you don't. You do have the admin password for the server, correct? Correct. But you don't have the admin password for the, the tokens for the Dominion well, machines. A little bit of a correction there. I do have the admin passwords. What I don't have is the authentication flaw because it requires both of those items. Right. So we were able to recover the, uh, the admin passwords used for the tabulators, but because we don't have the ability to burn that um, I button fob. It's like an additional layer of security. Right, it's a multi-factor into the tagger. And it appears that only Dominion has that Correct. from what we know so far. Correct. From the information we have so far. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Right. Anything else that we you wanted to add that's I just wanted to add, how the hell are we supposed to have audits if Dominion has that and Dominion won't turn it over? I'm sorry. You're under contract to allow us to execute elections with your supposed machinery. And now we want to check that they're working correctly and you won't let us check. Sounds super legit, but mm-hmm. It's not recovered at this point. I think that there, there is one other critical aspect of why I need the Splunk logs. So anonymous logins are a normal part of Windows activity. So if you've ever, 
If you've ever accessed a shared file in Windows, that's called an SMB share. And as part of that request, um, there will be an anonymous logon action to the server that has the share file on it. Um, and then that is, filed, that is followed immediately by the authentication of the user um, that is requesting that access. As part of that, in the course of that normal anonymous action, um, the Windows logs will actually record the username that is, uh, is requesting that action. It will record the IP address that is originating the, the request, and it will record the host name of that originating client. What we are seeing here um, and what does require additional correlation with NetFlow data is we're seeing anonymous logins at the system level that do not follow that pattern of normal Windows behavior, okay? And so we need to have that additional data to validate um, what that activity is. Thank you. All right, ready to move on to? Sorry, this is tedious, but there's a lot of information that we're trying to absorb and understand here, so bear with us, please. I'm going to go back to Mr. Logan at this part. Uh, Mr. Logan, you, uh, we would like you to help us address uh, the issues that you're having with the hand counting of ballots, the paper examination, um, and then we'll move into voter data analysis and envelopes. So let's start with the hand count of ballots and where we're at on that. So yeah, so there's been a lot of questions I know about the, the timeline and why some things have taken a little bit longer um, than expected. Um, I have to say that every audit I've ever been a part of, usually uh, whatever the organization is that you're working with, um, is available to answer questions or run ideas by and to you know, get some feedback and findings. And that's one of, the, one of the more difficult things with this audit is to not have that feedback loop um, and not be able to ask questions on things that could be solved very quickly. From Maricopa County. Correct, from Maricopa okay. County. Um, specifically, we've run into with, a, I think, um, uh, Ken Bennett was stating earlier about some of the duplicated ballots. Um, specifically, we've had a lot of problems with the way. The so basically, they're not allowed to check. They're, the, <laughs> the certifiers of the election didn't certify shit. And even if they were certified to certify, right, because the certifiers weren't certified to certify, but let's pretend they were doing their job and they were certifying, they didn't really certify because there were a lot of questions as to why they failed to what? Cyber, cybersecurity 101, uh, no common passwords would be super simple. So, uh, so as I said on Tuesday, was it Tuesday or Wednesday? Wednesday morning, I uh, telegrammed to you guys a nice bongra. Now, these videos have double meaning. <laughs> One, very joyous celebrations. And two, they have double meaning as to why we're talking about that area of the planet right now, keeping good thoughts. So let's take a quick intermission as we gloat that Trump really did win. Ladies and gentlemen.
like they're having so much fun, right? Okay, so someone said that they want President Trump to enter the White House, like that entrance video that I played. Let me show you this entrance video. Like, it's so badass. I'm sorry, but the men outdid themselves in this wedding entrance video, right? So this is gonna be the Trump administration in 2022 entering the White House once again. You guys ready for this? Okay, this is like my favorite entrance ever. Okay, so seriously, I'm dead serious about this. That first half, okay, of that video, um, where the, the men enter, dude, I am going to task someone to put president Trump and other administration people that we know are white hats. Right. And we're going to stick them over there and we're going to, we're going to superimpose the white house and have a dance inside. And then all the women are going to be kecks just as <laughs> I think that would be so awesome. I think that would be so awesome because he totally freaking won. And we knew that. And you know, the more I get upset, right? The, the, uh, the upset that no one listened that, Hey, told you so told you this, told you that told you about the routers. That's the only reason that I had headed down there. And then I was like, whoa, well, what about the certs? Maybe we could use the certs as an avenue legally to say the certifiers weren't certified so they couldn't certify, give us your shit. And so since that wasn't gonna work cause nobody wanted, I was like, hey, how do you go to fucking Alaska? Because they're still hanging, right? From day one, they've been hanging. They've got 10 people there, 10 people, and they're stuck. Let's go there. I'm pretty sure we have a good friend there that will let us at least Catch them in the act. Catch them in the act and find the IP address. No. And I'm glad. I'm glad. In the end, God wins. I mean, he'll let you know. And, uh, you know, one thing that I've learned is the biggest enemy to good is only oneself. You bring the situation upon yourself. And I know a lot of you are going to be like, well, I never asked to be in this situation, right? Never asked to be in the situation where I'm being governed by people that don't care about me. I've never been in the situation where I'm okay with taking my hard-earned tax dollars and fixing elections around the world because we know best. And we is not the American people. It's whoever's decided, you know, to, 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 to take control. And again, all you have to do is read my affidavit. See, yesterday in um, Michigan, there was like a seven-hour hearing where they went through all the affidavits and called them out. Bullshit this, this is that. Guess whose affidavit they didn't fucking touch? Mine. Because every single thing in that affidavit, hence why all the newspapers, all of them wanted to use my lawfare with the attorney general, which is great because now I can sue for a shit ton more money, right? Look, I was in a global paper like the New York Times and they were calling me a fraud because you said so. Look this, look that. It worked in my benefit. Yes, it hurt. Yes, it really, really hurt. Yes, it gave ammunition for people to take me down. But boy, <clears throat> today I received a text. <laughs> 
you know what? I'm going to see if I can actually share that with you. Hold on. Just the picture. Okay. Give me a second. It's going to take me one second to just move it over and share it to you. I want to share <laughs> the picture he sent me when he got my files. He's just going to believe it. I mean, this is supposedly right that I use what $300 and I wasn't a charity, right? That, that was the big complaint. I just, <laughs> this is like a portion of my case. God bless this man. Really God bless this man. I'll actually share it on Telegram as well so you guys can see it. Um, so again, it hurt. It really did hurt a lot because people were easy to attack me without even reading the case. Uh, people were able to hurt me, uh, mock me, make fun of me, call me things that aren't true. And all of them will just have to eat crow leader and say, well, I only went with the reporting. You know, I didn't really read the case. You know, who reads the case? I, I just went with whatever the mainstream media says, because, you know, they're credible and shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, those people. So, um, you know, it, it hurt me. It really did. And they did it on purpose, because I'm the only one that actually had the goods. I am the only one that actually had the goods. And that's why they didn't touch my case. Every single thing, every single thing that they've come up with, I've addressed. And many of you, you didn't spell out routers. Um, well, I actually snapshot the modems <laughs> that are supposedly in there. I spoke about COTS, which is off the shelf kind of uh, stuff. You know, it could be anything. Uh, those constantly get updates. No one checked those software updates. Uh, that includes uh, your antivirus, your OS, your word processor, whatever other shit you use. I talked about the trap doors, uh, you know, I, pretty much. And then I also said, hey, if you really want to look at how they did it, why don't you go look at the shit in the Ukraine? Same fucking shit happened there. So while everyone sat there and tore me apart, every single thing that I've said, and I put in that affidavit, stance, every single thing. And see, it's very unfair when people mistreat you, when all you do is want to help. It's very unfair when people that say they are pro-democracy, that our president won, that this was unfair, right? That they attack you. It hurts but again, many will hang their heads in shame. Many. See, I'm not saying things. Now, if you take my actual affidavit and just go through it, it's an affidavit I did in November. 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 You flip through it, everything that's coming out in Arizona. Whoa, shit. Look, Tori said that. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. But yet they mocked. Yet they trashed. Could you imagine instead of being evil, jealous, nasty people? Well, the jealous part is the evil people, right? Because they're jealous. How can you go tell the truth and leave us here in the shadows and not be killed? That doesn't work like that, right? And they know. Do you know how many people want to come out and say something? Usually you never hear them. They go out with a whimper in the night. So that's what I mean by jealousy. Now, your supposed patriots that have thrown me under the bus, 
attacks me and my family, right? Those, they got paid to do it. And not only that, some of them were groomed to do it because some of them at the beginning were like, no, we're not going to say anything. Oh, we're just going to stand back. She's not in our group of cool kids, but she's doing good. So maybe we shouldn't say anything. And then it's like, holy crap, she's calling us out because we're not reporting the truth. Now let's attack. See, this is good because this is how the people can see who's really fighting for America and who's not. This is what has to happen. We had to have them do this. We had to have them feel like they're in control. We had to have all of this come out. And you have to have that boot on your face. You know, I was watching conversations about the election and people were like, well, I mean, if Joe Biden won, uh, and these are Biden voters, well, why aren't they letting them look at the stuff? Good question, good question. Well, you know, this is so stupid. Trump definitely didn't win. He's such a racist. They should just hand over the stuff. Yeah, they're not going to do that either. They're not. not going to give the stuff. Are you kidding? That would be suicide. So they're not going to give the stuff. So so what happens? Oh. The rest of the world starts. And this is where you're seeing it. The rest of the world now is starting to dispel things. You know what it reminded me of? Hold on. Let me get this clip. It's a really cool clip too. Um, I actually watched the movie a couple days ago. Hold on a second. Where is it? There it is. It's a fantastic movie clip. Sounds so pertinent to today. You know, sign from, <laughs> remember how I said, oh, we're running out of conspiracies. Looks like my conspiracy theory was hundred percent true. Figure that. Let's go. Why do you think that is? I mean, why is that? I mean, is it just because people are, are lazy today or they're bored? I mean, are we just like bored, spoiled children who've just been lying in the bathtub all day, just playing with their plastic duck, and now they're just thinking, well, what can I do? Okay, yes, we are bored. We're all bored now. But has it ever occurred to you, Wally, that the process that creates this boredom that we see in the world now may very well be a self-perpetuating, unconscious form of brainwashing created by a world totalitarian government based on money, and that all of this is much more dangerous than one thinks? And it's not just a question of individual survival, Wally, but that somebody who's bored is asleep, and somebody who's asleep will not say no? See, I keep meeting these people. I mean, uh, just a few days ago, I met this man whom I greatly admire. He's a Swedish physicist, Gustav Bjornstrand. And he told me that he no longer watches television, he doesn't read newspapers, and he doesn't read magazines. He's completely cut them out of his life because he really does feel that we're living in some kind of Orwellian nightmare now and that everything that you hear now contributes to turning you into a robot. And when I was at Findhorn, I met this extraordinary English tree expert, who had devoted his life to saving trees. Just got back from Washington, lobbying to save the redwoods. He's 84 years old. He always travels with a backpack because he never knows where he's going to be tomorrow. And when I met him at Findhorn, he said to me, where are you from? And I said, New York. He said, ah, New York. Yes, that's a very interesting place. Do you know a lot of New Yorkers who keep talking about the fact that they want to leave but never do? And I said, oh, yes. And he said, why do you think they don't leave? 
I gave him different banal theories. He said, oh, I don't think it's that way at all. He said, I think that New York is the new model for the new concentration camp, where the camp has been built by the inmates themselves, and the inmates are the guards, and they have this pride in this thing they've built. They've built their own prison, and so they exist in a state of schizophrenia, where they are both guards and prisoners, and as a result, they no longer have, having been lobotomized, the capacity to leave the prison they've made or to even see it as a prison. And then he went into his pocket and he took out a seed for a tree and he said, this is a pine tree. He put it in my hand and he said, escape before it's too late. Actually, for two or three years now, Chiquita and I have had this very unpleasant feeling that we really should get out. And we really should feel like Jews in Germany in the late 30s. Get out of here. Of course, the problem is where to go, because it seems quite obvious that the whole world is going in the same direction. See, I think it's quite possible that the 1960s represented the last burst of the human being before he was extinguished, and that this is the beginning of the rest of the future now, and that from now on, there'll simply be all these robots walking around, feeling nothing, thinking nothing, and there'll be nobody left almost to remind them that there once was a species called a human being with feelings and thoughts, and that history and memory are right now being erased, and soon nobody will really remember that life existed on the planet. Sounds kind of spot on. Kind of spot on, doesn't it? Kind of spot on. It's not a fantasy <laughs> since 1969. So uh, I want I want a quick intermission for sure. And I thought I would share a really cool song um, that I dug up because I wanted to show someone a necklace. So I didn't play this for you. It's super, it's super dope actually. You guys ready? It's just two minutes. I don't know if you guys have actually heard this song before. Yeah, coin broke. Well then, I thought you guys would enjoy that song. I think it's pretty cool, right? Super cool. And uh, those of you watching, that's a beautiful, beautiful dome. It's an actually elongated uh, toroidal dome upon itself, within itself. It almost looks like a sphere, but it's not, you know, uh, it's toroidal. It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. So where do we go today? I mean, what do we got to say? We got a lot to say today, and I don't even know where to start. Do we start with the crazy news? Because uh, look at how many fires are on now. We've got the insane proof <laughs> that Biden didn't win, right? That's number one. Number one. Number two, we've got the UN coming to tell us to go check ourselves because we're racist. So we're going to have them come here and tell us how racist we are. In South Africa, people are quartering themselves into their communities because they're being attacked and killed. They have to go and shop in places that haven't been raided in groups with guns. Oh, did I mention? When they're caught with guns, they take their guns because you're not allowed to have guns. <laughs> so then they go back to where they live and they have no guns, right? You know, the whole will disarm you kind of thing, right? 
We also, and, and let's not forget, it was during the George Floyd thing that the family of George Floyd asked for the UN to come. And George Floyd, a mur, an evil man, a disgusting man that caused harm, nevertheless, should not have died at the hands of anyone else. No one has the right to take away a life, right? We believe that because what he did was he swallowed his drugs and died from it. So it didn't help that he was on his tummy gasping to breathe because he was really high and he died. It's a tragedy that that soul was lost before it could be redeemed. Yet they celebrated him. He had four funerals in the United States. People rioted for him in other cities and in many nations, causing further division. God spoke, of course. And the lightning didn't hit the ground. It hit the side of a fucking wall. <laughs> have you ever seen lightning strike? I have. And that's pretty precise. Now we have uprisings across the planet against vaccinations, forced vaccinations from nations that have already forfeited their right to freedom, right? Countries like Greece that are now complaining. You're complaining now. All of you comply. You're complaining now. You gave away your rights when you allowed Alex to go up to the EU after you voted 62% to get the fuck out of the EU. You let it slide. And not only that, you let them in. And you're going to say, who's in? Let me tell you, whenever you see in a country that Goldman Sachs is visiting to investigate or assist in restructuring their finance, Goldman Sachs are the auditors and accountants for the International Monetary Fund. For those of you that dabble in crypto, you must be baffled as to why the market is going so sideways. Well, we did talk about HSBC. We're talking about Wells Fargo with HSBC, it had to do with crypto because Goldman Sachs is going in. They want to know and they will know. They'll know everything, right? And they're going to take over everything. And that, um, you know, John McAfee was working on a way to take away that power from them. Creating a blockchain, kind of competition, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> to create a blockchain that can't be cracked. That can't be hacked. That everyone will want. So now they're coming in to take over your money, pushing digital currencies. The first site of UBI is coming, and it started today where they're giving you money for each kid you have just because you have a kid. There's no um, rent that they can force you to pay. So people are living rent-free still. Cuba finally got their internet, but they're not allowed to use social media apps. Some people that had some VPN are able to now connect. So we've got a lot of things going on. Facebook fired employees, right? They did. They fired like over 50 people because they were spying, right? Because they were supposedly looking at users' data. <laughs> oh, man, this is so funny, right? Look at everything that's going on at once, at once, okay? Um, the Black Caucus Chair, 
Congressional Black Caucus Chair Joyce Beatty, Democrat of Ohio, was among nine people arrested by the Capitol Police today for illegal demonstration inside the Senate office building as she was demanding to end the Senate filibuster and the passage of the Democrats' voting rights bill. Hmm. Congressional Black Caucus Chair Joyce Beatty was arrested by Capitol Police. Listen carefully. The Democrat was arrested for illegal demonstration inside the Senate because they were demanding to stop the Senate filibuster and to pass the Democrats' voting right bill. The bill is in a reaction to the more restrictive voting laws that have been passed through the GOP-controlled states across the country. She was arrested. The Congresswoman was arrested because she wanted to stop them from filibustering to pass the legislation. I told you what they wanted to do, which is centralize your ability to vote. Nancy Pelosi already passed the law saying that in 2021 it was starting that all your federal tax dollars would go into one bank account and they would pick who gets the campaign funding. <laughs> like if that didn't spell it out for you, shit, I don't know what to tell you. I really don't know what to tell you if that doesn't spell it out for you. They want to have full and utter control. It's that, well, I already explained it, right? They're giving you the illusion of democracy, the illusion that you have every single right to vote and you just don't know what you want, right? The United States is already discussing secession, right? They are. Remember the FEMA zones? You are not paying attention. Like I said, many things are going to be happening that you would not be able to fathom. The WHO is now backtracking on, oh, maybe there, maybe there was a lab leak. I don't know. Maybe we were premature in saying it, right? That's happening too. Why? Emails. <laughs> Why? Shit. The internet spreads like Wi-Fi. Everybody can see it. And there's something called international courts that you just can't hide from. Right? So much going on. Death, destruction, floods. And then misspeaking is another thing. Did you guys hear what Saki said yesterday? Was it that she misread the prompter? Did someone hack her prompter? Or did she really have a Freudian slip? I don't know if you guys heard her, but if you didn't, here's what's gonna happen. I'm, I'm gonna show it to you. Give me a second, let me get it up for you. So you can hear it yourself because you can't make these things up. You have to listen to them carefully when they speak. Because they tell you more than anything. You know, when you turn things off, I, I, don't, I don't follow politics. I don't look at CNN. They get me really upset. Don't do that. They tell you everything you need to know.
uh, this is a big issue of misinformation, specifically on the pandemic. In terms of actions, Alex, that uh, we have taken or we're working to take, I should say, from the federal government, uh, we've increased uh, disinformation research and tracking uh, within the Surgeon General's office. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook uh, that spread disinformation. We're working with doctors and medical professionals to connect uh, to connected medical experts, popular with popular who are popular with their audiences with. Uh, with accurate information and boost trusted content. So we're helping get trusted content out there. You're boosting and putting content out there and helping Mark Zuckerberg in fighting disinformation. Is that what our taxpayer dollars are supposed to be spent on? Babysitting the internet? Hmm. That's so interesting. That is fabulously interesting. Hmm. Now, who are the Democrats representing? Because it's definitely not the United States of America. No one's enforcing laws. No one is looking after America. And you know what? The nation is buzzing. Chris as Alito several said stories are dropping that confirm that socialist Democrats, while they're lawless, they're dishonest, and they're loyal to inhuman communists. The Democrats, no longer an American party. We provide the proof in tonight's preamble. On Fox News last night, it was reported that U.S. military assets are being used to facilitate illegal immigration into the United States. Before I go on, I want the American people to know that I think that the majority of our enlisted personnel and commissioned officers are unwilling participants in this betrayal of our Constitution and the rule of law. I believe they are following orders under threat of reprisal from vile and un-American politicians, both in and out of uniformed brass. The Fox reporting alleged that Joe Biden and his lawless administration have made ICE and our military the last link in a disgusting chain, making them work in tandem with narco-terrorists, human traffickers, and degenerate smugglers of every sort. Fox News Channel aired a report that the U.S. military was being used to distribute illegal aliens throughout the United States without the permission of American citizens or our knowledge. Here's what the Chris Alcedo Show found out. According to Pentagon spokesperson, Lieutenant Colonel Chris Mitchell, the U.S. military is not flying illegal aliens into the U.S. interior. The colonel did say that ICE had requested the use of the airstrips at Lachlan Air Force Base in Texas and that civilian planes have been used and granted access through ICE to send illegal aliens to destinations unknown. The question is, don't American citizens have the right to know where they're going? No, you don't, because this isn't America that you think it is. And the faster you realize it, the faster you get angrier, the faster we fix it. That's the way it is. We must realize it. With breaking news. And here's where you're going to see how good, controlled, good, no, how do I say this? Good strategy works. You're going to be like, are you insane? Just listen is on just how unhinged the final days of the last administration were and how much worse they might have gotten. We have some examples which are just now coming to light. America's top military commander comparing then-President Trump's rhetoric to Hitler's and his followers to brown shirts to Nazis. That top commander finding himself rallying subordinates to protect the peaceful transfer of authority and perhaps even head off a coup. Having to explain to the Speaker of the House that no, this country will not launch a nuclear strike at the whim of who she characterized as an unbalanced president. These and other chilling scenes are contained in a new book, I Alone Can Fix It, Donald J. Trump's catastrophic final year, 
The authors are Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists from The Washington Post, Carol Lennig and Philip Rucker. It comes out next week. CNN has obtained a series of excerpts, each which is really more alarming than the next. In this one, General Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, is reassuring his deputies about preventing a coup attempt. Quoting now from the book, they may try, but they're not going to effing succeed, he told them. You can't do this without the military. You can't do this without the CIA and the FBI. We are the guys with the guns. CNN Special Correspondent Jimmy Gangale is doing the reporting on this for us. She joins us now. I mean, it's fascinating to hear how far General Milley and what exactly how he saw this. Um, according to their parallels, according to the book, about what the former president said about the election being stolen and Adolf Hitler's rhetoric. Absolutely. Milley was so shaken by Trump's behavior that what he did was he got together with the other chiefs, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, and they planned, they believed there really could be a coup attempt by Trump. And Lennig and Rucker write, Milley viewed Trump as, quote, the classic authoritarian leader with nothing to lose. And then Milley is quoted as saying, this is a Reichstag moment, Milley told aides, the gospel of the Fuhrer. Look, we've known that people were concerned um, that Trump wouldn't leave office. We, we reported that. To hear General Milley say this, it's clear when you read the book, he cooperated. There are extensive right. quotes. To hear and he comes him, off looking pretty good from what I understand. He does. And, and, and let's remember he had his Lafayette Square very bad Right, moment. which he apologized for. He, he was, I believe, in combat fatigues, walking uh, with the president in that kind of motley assortment of people from the White House to, to Lafayette Square. A very bizarre moment. But to hear General Milley say this uh, is stunning. The, there were also, according to his book, daily check-in calls that Milley started to do with uh, Mark Meadows and some others. So one of the interesting things about that is in the book, uh, Milley says he was doing it also to keep tabs on Trump, as if by talking to Pompeo and Mark Meadows, he would get a better sense of what's going on. We should say that Pompeo has denied some of this account to the authors. Okay, I want you guys to pay attention. Everything you are seeing right now is scripted. Do you remember how I told you that this is totally not the same level, but I'm trying to give you another example so that you understand it better. In months from now, people are going to say, shit, I'm so sorry, Tori. I just did what I knew. I mean, there were books or, you know, whatever, or newspaper clippings and people were saying it on social media. I, I just, you know, I mean, I just went with what I saw. So I'm like, I, I don't know, um, you know, why I, I, I couldn't see that. And, you know, I didn't know you, you know, and I was just going off. I mean, you know, this person said it. So this is what you are watching now. These are death rattles, and I know a lot, a lot of people can't see it. Just pay attention, please. But there is uh, a, another extraordinary moment where after January 6th, and Millie has seen the insurrection, he is now preparing for the inauguration with other law enforcement officials, with the National Guard. 
or cop, whether you're a soldier, we're going to stop these guys to make sure we have a peaceful transfer of power. We're going to put a ring of steel around this city and the Nazis aren't getting in. That's incredible to hear. There's also uh, a lot of revolutions, uh, revelations, including one uh, after the insurrection, General Milley uh, and uh, Congresswoman Liz Cheney, in which Cheney, who voted for impeachment, describes a confrontation she had. It was during the attack, right. uh, during the insurrection, Republican Congressman uh, Jim Jordan uh, kind of, I guess, Tell us what happened. So Jim Jordan is a staunch ally of President Trump. He's sort of the head of the uh, Freedom Caucus. He is known to make a circus out of things. He is certainly the antithesis on the impeachment of, Liz, of you know, Liz Cheney uh, supported it, right. supported the impeachment. So uh, Milley and, and Cheney are actually close. They're friends. They talk a lot. They have a phone call. And in the book, Millie says to Cheney, this is the next day, the 7th, how are you doing? And she recounts this encounter with Jim Jordan. And she says, quote, that effing guy, Jim Jordan, that son of a, you can read it on the screen, Cheney said, while these maniacs are going through the place, I'm standing in the aisle. And he said, we need to get the ladies away from the aisle. Let me help you. I smacked his hand away and told him, get away from me. You effing did this. Mm. Uh, I don't think Liz Cheney felt she needed Jim Jordan's help at that I, It's moment. fascinating that during, I mean, according to this, that, I mean, during the actual insurrection, Liz Cheney saw this as a direct result of Jim Jordan and the other enablers of, of the former president. Absolutely. Looking back, we knew about the big lie. And Jim Jordan was close to the president. He was probably calling the president every day, a couple of times a week. Uh, in the weeks leading up to January 6th, it was not a surprise to Liz Cheney mm. that this happened. And she feels that Jim Jordan was part of it. I, I want to bring you uh, also with us, stay with us, because right. I want to bring in our chief political correspondent, State of the Union co-anchor, Dana Bash, also a senior, senior law enforcement analyst and former <laughs> Listen to all the fancy titles. Okay. You guys are so pissed listening to this. It's okay. It's a good thing. This is a really good thing because it's really important you listen carefully. Listen carefully to how they are elevating their derangement, their desperations. FBI Director Andrew McCabe. So, Dan, we're, we're talking about concerns from the country's top military officer of an attempted coup by the President of the United States and his allies. It's, this is one of those things you have to kind of step back and just kind of realize this is so out of the ordinary. Uh, there were clearly a lot of, you know, a lot worse things happening behind the scenes, according to this and anyone new public. Absolutely. And, you know, it is important to understand and learn this for lots of reasons. But first and foremost, it's because, yes, it's history, but it is recent history and it informs what is going on right now. And that is if General Milley was you know, saying these things and screaming from the rooftops and having conversations. Jamie's reporting also uh, about this book is that Nancy Pelosi, the House Speaker, was involved in conversations. Then there's no way that the Republican leadership weren't also aware of some of this, even if they didn't have uh, direct conversations with the likes of General Milley. Those Republican leaders are currently running the GOP and running towards Donald Trump still right now. And that is what it, one of the things, if you look at it 
from where we are now is so remarkable that even those days, these stories, what happened on January 6th and the days following, if that's not enough for them to say, wow, we have to stand up and separate ourselves from him, it's hard to imagine what is. And Andrew, I just want to read this part about the coup again uh, for your reaction. Uh, Millie says, they may try, uh, but they're not going to effing succeed. He told them, you can't do this without the military. You can't do this without the CIA and the FBI. We are the guys with the guns. I mean, obviously, there's an awful lot of guns out there in circulation. So there's a lot of people who do have guns. But the chairman of the Joint Chiefs was essentially ready for a showdown with the commander-in-chief and comparing him to Hitler. Yeah, he was, apparently. Uh, and, 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 and sounds like he was actually thinking <laughs> was. through the mechanics of what a... Uh, a, a military conflict, a hot conflict would look like and how that would play out here in the Capitol. And it's, it's absolutely extraordinary. I think it fortunately shines yet another light on the commitment and the dedication of career public servants, this time, of course, General Milley and, and his team in the military, um, with the courage to stand up to realize that something was going horribly off the rails with the President of the United States, um, and that they might be thrown into a terrible, terrible, never before thought of or experienced scenario in which they had to do exactly what you suggested, which is stand <laughs> up to the president himself. Um, but they were willing to do it because we have those sort of dedicated career professionals serving in government. Well, it also, you know, Andrew, it makes you think about all those people who took part in the insurrection, who attacked the Capitol, who call themselves patriots. And that word patriot has now been kind of taken over by far right, you know, there were far right nationalists who marched, I think it was through Philadelphia the other day, calling themselves patriots. Uh, you read what Milley was doing and which, you know, is obeying the constitution. It's, it's standing up to the oath that he and serving members uh, ha have taken. Uh, I mean, that's what a patriot does. That's exactly right, Anderson. It's exactly right. So, Patriot is someone who stays committed to that uh -huh. oath to the Constitution, despite uh -huh. the, the politics and the craziness that's swirling around him. It does the right thing for the American people, obeying the law, unlike the, law. the direction they were being pushed by the, by the presidency of the United States. Uh, Dude, they're so screwed. Let them. Let them. Let them say as they want. Oh, look, the law. Remember, McCabe has no... No what? No pension, right? He's got no pension. He's got nothing. Nothing. Wait, you want to get angry? The nation is buzzing. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. I want to. I want to get. I want to really fire you up. Hold on a second. Let me find the video. I want to really fire you up now. You're gonna get super. Let's pissed. get now to the. You're gonna get super pissed. I'm warning you. But you got to listen. They tell you everything. Now here's where you're gonna see it come into focus. Explosive revelations about the final days of uh, the former president's term. This is from a new book by two Washington Post reporters, Carol Lenning and Philip Rucker. It's called I Alone Can Fix It. And CNN's Jamie Gangel obtained some of the excerpts uh, that we're about to discuss. One of the most shocking is that uh, after President Trump lost the election, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Mark Milley, feared the former president might attempt a coup. Milley told his deputies, quote, they may try, but they're not going to effing succeed. You can't do this without the military. You can't do this without the CIA and the FBI. We're the guys with the guns. 
CNN special correspondent Jamie Gangel is here. Jamie, incredible work getting these excerpts. They are bombshells. Um, they're, they're what so many millions of people suspected on mm. some level was happening behind the scenes. Pay attention to what he said. Listen carefully to the words said that they are applauding right now. You are living in a nation where a general tells a president that you will not uprise the people because we have the guns. Now, a very long time ago, I had said, you have to think why they're taking away your guns. The reason is, is because they're going to do shit that you're going to want to shoot them for. And now, because we still have our guns, thank God President Trump came into office. Thank God he put that vaccine on emergency authorized use. Thank God, because it would have been worse. I'm telling you, the things that they were going to do, and it's still coming. And if all of this shit is happening now, it's because the patriots... The real patriots have been led astray by bull fucking shit. Now, listen to more because they're applauding the fact that the military says, we don't care what the people want. We don't care what's going on. We have the guns. But now we know more in more detail of what's happening. Correct. And let's just remember, General Milley is still chairman of the Joint Chiefs. He knew this book was coming out and he knew that it would be made public. He is quoted extensively throughout the book. That's such a great point. And he hasn't refuted it. No, he yet. has not. Okay, let's get to Mike Pence's role. Right. Um, here is one of the excerpts. Uh, Pence again explained the legal limits on his authority as vice president and said he planned to perform his ceremonial duty as prescribed by the Constitution. This is on January 6th. Right. But Trump showed him no mercy. You don't have the courage to make a hard decision, he told Pence. So I guess that what is new to me is that they were having, I mean, heated conversations about what Pence was going to have to do. So Carol Lennig and Philip Rucker are two Pulitzer Prize winning uh, reporters. What I see as I read through I Alone Can Fix It is they have the quotes. We knew that Donald Trump was putting pressure on Mike Pence. But in this passage, you see, he said to him, you don't have the courage. You can, you can hear Trump saying that. And then it goes on that they, the, uh, Mark Meadows and Ivanka Trump s try to get Trump to go along with this. No, Trump had given Pence instructions and was hell-bent on getting him to do it. So I, I think you really see here just how much pressure Pence was under. Yeah, and we were hearing elements of this, but to get right. this narrative now with the quotes is really stunning. Some of the uh, the elements we're going to discuss, you got exclusively, some of these have been published in the Washington Post in just right. the last couple of hours. I want to go to this moment of, it gets to the question of what did the president know and when did he know it? That, of course, famous mm -hmm. question. At the White House, Trump was back in his private dining room watching everything unfold on television. The president was riveted. His supporters had heeded his call to march on the Capitol with pride and boldness. For Trump, there was no more beautiful sight than the thousands of energetic people waving Trump flags, wearing red MAGA caps and fighting to keep him in power. He thought, this is cool. He was happy, recalled one aide who was with Trump that afternoon. Then when it turned violent, he thought, oh, crap. And I think for this, it gets to, you'll remember that Leader McCarthy said that the president didn't know about any of the violence until he called. 
he was clearly watching it on television. Absolutely. And what they establish here is a tick-tock of events, minute by minute through January 6th. Clearly, Donald Trump knew exactly what was going on almost immediately. Also, for context, I was told that what this aide was describing when, when Donald Trump said, oh, crap, was not, oh, crap, people are going to get hurt. It was, oh, crap, this is going to look bad for me. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about Ivanka Trump's role right. because I, I need your help. Uh, deciphering here. If help this, us, Jamie. Help I need your help. If this is reputational rehab, if this is uh, revisionist history or what we learn here in this book, here's part, uh, just a portion. Um, just when Ivanka Trump thought she had made headway and returned upstairs, this is after she'd been summoned to try to quell the unrest, the, the feelings that her father was having on January 6th and get him to call off the crowd, okay? Just when Ivanka Trump thought she had made headway and returned upstairs, Meadows would call her to say that the president still needed more persuading. I need you to come back down here, Meadows would tell her. We've got to get this under control. He would clear the room of other aides and say, I only want Ivanka, myself, and the president in here. This cycle repeated itself several times that afternoon. As another presidential advisor said, Ivanka was described to me like a stable pony. When the racehorse gets too agitated, you bring the stable pony in to calm him down. Obviously, there are only a few people who could have told the reporters this. So what are we to make of Ivanka's role? Uh, I not only are there only a few people, but throughout the book, if there is a controversial quote or scene, it is very clear that these two authors went to that person and said, is this true or not? Mike Pompeo denies a quote through, uh, through a closed source. Okay, so what they're saying is, is that when the president was irritated or when you know he didn't wanna deal with something, because he was upset. He was like, you know, get Ivanka. Why? Because he trusts his kid. And fair to be fair, that me and my eldest daughter, when we're talking tech, or I'm getting upset with someone on tech issues, I'm dead serious, right? I'm like, you know what? Here, talk to Hera. I'm not doing this because I'm going to lose my. And, you know, here comes the person that knows you best, the person you created, and the person that understands and speaks the same language you do. You have to remember that he put her in charge of many companies. That is his child. And his child will never bite him, right? And she was there to take over for dad. That's completely normal, but they're making it sound like something else. There's no denial of that here. So we have to assume Ivanka Trump was aware of she how would this scenario depicted. Correct. Like this. If I had to guess, this comes from Ivanka Trump. I do Seems not like it. I yes. do not know that. So let's talk about whether you can get your reputation back. We talked earlier about Mark Milley. He had the very controversial moment in Lafayette Park where he came out with the president in that bizarre scene. He apologized for that immediately. He has said it was wrong. Is part of his speaking to these reporters to repair his reputation? Yeah, maybe. But what he has said in this book is so extraordinary. It goes beyond repairing his reputation. I am not sure that Ivanka Trump can repair her reputation even with this. Just for context, that particular scene I think is critical because we had heard that 
Mark Meadows couldn't convince Donald Trump to call it off. What this scene shows is this sort of shuttle diplomacy where Mark Meadows keeps bringing Ivanka in over and over again. By the way, she didn't convince him either. No. no. Five no. people were killed. Correct. She didn't convince him Correct. either. And, and it's not clear. Hours go by and it's not clear uh, from the excerpts we have what finally convinced him. Some of our reporting has indicated that the lawyers came in, that the White House counsel came in and said, you are going to be responsible, perhaps criminally, for people getting hurt and killed. And it's my understanding that that may have been the reason he finally turned around. One more, Jamie. And this also is during the height of the violence at right. the Capitol and the question of how to protect the vice president. Should he stay there at the Capitol and should he leave? Uh, let's go here uh, to Giebel's, uh, who is the head of the uh, vice president's security detail. Right. And the rest of his uh, detail guided them down to a staircase to a secure subterranean area that rioters couldn't reach, where the vice president's armored limousine awaited. Giebel's asked Pence to get in one of the vehicles we can hold here. Vice President says, I'm not getting in the car, Tim. I trust you, Tim, but you're not driving the car. If I get in that vehicle, you guys are taking off. I'm not getting in the car, which speaks, I think, primarily to the president wasn't sure the vice safety president. of the vice president wasn't sure of the safety of getting into this car, but also the image of the president leaving the Capitol as the insurrectionists were there that potentially they had won. That would have been the, the image. To me, this was breathtaking. Yeah. It was that Mike Pence thought that his Secret Service detail was going to take him away and he was not going to be able to do his duty. End of story, period. He was scared. He wasn't going to be able to get back there. Wow. I mean, again, these excerpts just show you how close we came to it being even worse. It was horrible, <laughs> but it could have been even worse. <laughs> Absolutely. Jamie, great reporting. This is what you do. You let them think they're winning, right? And you know what they said? Ivanka, she didn't dispute anything. It only has Pompeo. Why would she even bother? Let you say whatever you want. Nobody cares. You know why? Just like the media isn't. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this now. I got three emails from someone who is trying to Piero delect me. I already know who they are. And they said, Tori, uh, you know, a couple months ago, you kind of tweeted out about Hunter Biden's artwork and you were inferring something. Would you tell us what that is that you're inferring? I'm like, fuck no, I'm not telling you. I'm going to wait till all of you have exhausted the lies and the bullshit, half-assed, fake stories about the artwork. And then when you're done, I'm going to tell the real story because that's what real smart people do. <laughs> They don't sit there and call you. I mean, they'll call you out vocally, right? They'll say something, right? But in the end, I'm just going to sit and watch them. Watch them have a train wreck. Because that is exactly what you are watching. A massive freaking train wreck. Because as they sit there with their fake news, telling the world what they believe is happening, about this artwork. Oh yeah, he sold art and he did this. Nope, they're not telling you the truth. It's not about artwork. They're not telling you the truth. So I will let them finish just like I did with Cuba because they're really milking this. They're milking it. And I already talked about the artwork, <laughs> but I'm gonna wait till they're done.
and then tap Alan Dirsch and be like, so Alan, let's have a talk. Because obviously I found artwork of his, posted it. When did I post it? A really long time ago on Twitter, right? Oh, speaking of Twitter, <laughs> I thought I would share this. Hold on. Let me get on Gab and show this to you. Give me a second. Oh, this, this is going to be fun. You're going to like this. So um, it was discovered that Hunter Biden has, um, hold on, a Twitter account. So just to make it clear, where is it? There we go. So he's not very apparent delecto, okay? Come on. Can we? There we go. So I tweeted out to Hunter and I said, look, I'm really salty that you're not following. We're so close. All those times you lost your phone, iPads, and Macs, I was there. Yet you boast this thirsty guy and not me. I, nemesis, am angry, thought we had a connection. So this is Hunter Biden's Twitter account. He made two tweets. One of them was this, which was something called Biden Diaries or something. And he's referring to Cocaine Mitch. Joe Biden opens up the door. Cigarette is dropped and extinguished by a snakeskin boot. Where's Mitch? I've got 24 hours to pull this nation off a cliff. Literally, says Joe. Stop. Stop, stop. It is the most insane crap I have ever, ever seen in my life. I haven't seen more bullshit on that article that was pulled, by the way, in a long time. It was so sick to just read through that article. It was just so crazy. But so that's actual reporting showing, hey, you know, this is his Twitter account. We can pull out the other ones, too. Right. And the fact that when he was sending emails, he had multiple signatures for multiple people. Why would you do that? Why would you sign as Bobby Biden or something? That's uh, so bizarre. Right. Isn't that bizarre? I think that's bizarre. Like for me, it would be like, you know, if I'm sending an email with my Tory says.com, it could be Tory and then a little signature with like WW Tory says.com. You know, if I'm sending it with my, you know, email that's about bills, right. It'll be, you know, the Maris family, you know, or some bullshit like that. But he had multiple names in his signature. Not only that, like trolling through his phone, Apparently he has two cash. You know, maybe I should just like file a stupid lawsuit against cash app to say that Hunter Biden had like two accounts and he was drawing from his dad's account, which is illegal because it's a financial institution because there's texts that prove that hey, Joe wants to know why you pulled out $4,000 with that cash app account. Think you need to change it to the other cash app account. Yeah. So I say, what terms and conditions did I violate? I mean, this guy's violating paying for crack, you know, whores and then stealing money from Vice President Joe Biden's account into a cash app account, which isn't his, which is a violation of the terms and conditions. I mean, if I if I had time, I would totally file that too. So again, again, um, what we're going to see with this uh, artwork is not what the media is telling you. So, you know, like everyone circles, oh, he like sold it. It's money laundering. It's like you have no idea because it's not even in those emails right 
and they don't get it. They wouldn't even know where to look. See, that's the problem. They have people who think they know how to read things, tell you things. You've got to have a specialty in things. It's like, it's like me educating McAfee on antivirus. I mean, that would be so dumb, right? Or if I was to, you know, tell a friend of mine that's very fluent in one, you know, programming language. Yeah. Like it's totally this. And they could just look at me and be like, yeah, um, not so much. It's like telling a baker, it doesn't matter if it's bleached or unbleached flour. Shut up. This is exactly what you're getting. You're getting people that are educating you that have no idea what they're talking about. That's it. No idea. Okay. They all are geniuses. They're all experts in the shit. You know what you got to be expert in? The fucking swamp. You know who needs to interpret this shit for you? A swamp monster. That's what you need. That's the only way you understand what's really going on and how it's going on and who it's going on through or else you're getting a sugar-coated side of the story. See how Cuba, Cuba got their internet back. <laughs> but still, nobody's talking about the fact that Hunter Biden set up the fucking infrastructure for the internet in Cuba. Why? Uh, ask that question. Because the evidence was right there. Ask that question. Evidence was right there. Evidence was also there that he committed treason. So the question you should ask yourself is, well, why isn't that being discussed? Well, I could tell you that it's um, being discussed where it needs to be discussed, but it's not being discussed by the media so that the people don't know. So that is pretty, pretty interesting, isn't it? It's extremely interesting. So let's move it along just a little bit. And I want you guys to understand that what you are about to see is going to be very interesting this week, but specifically next week. Let's think for a second. This Senate hearing that you heard in Arizona, and there's going to be more, there's going to be more where they're going to be talking about cases and affidavits because it's coming around now again. And I'm telling you, people are going to be very mad. People are going to be very, very mad, mad because the one person they hate is the one person that had it all. And you have to kind of think to yourself, why is it that they hate so much? It could be grooming. That's one thing that happens, right? That they're groomed into this feeling that they're important. There's, there's people out there that have hundreds of thousands of followers, and yet they can't muster 10 people to respond or watch them, right? Because the rule of thumb is, is that if you have, you know, 10,000 people uh, following your channel, right? You're going to have at least 10%, right? Talk. So that would be 1,000 people. If you have a channel that has, well, is it 10% or is it 1%? Shit. I'm trying to remember the statistics on social media. Um, I think the going rule of thumb is 1%, right? 1%. So if you had, you know, 10,000, you would have, you know, at least a hundred, something like that. Right. Am I right? Yes, I'm right. 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 Yes. <laughs> right. So it's the 1%. Thank you. So it's 1%. So look at the channels that have, you know, a hundred thousand people that follow them. Look at how many comments they get on their posts.
is it 1% of their followers? If it's less, that means that the majority of their followers aren't real. They've been boasted up by bots. That's how you know when someone has a genuine following. That they're following when they go live, when they post, uh, you know, um, you know, comments on Telegram, when they put things out, at least 1% interact with it. That's the rule of thumb of social media. It's the 1%, right? It's not the 10%, it's 1%. So this is how you see, um, you know, where real audiences are and where they're fake, okay? So I know a lot of you um, have said, you know, I go to this channel nah, 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 and I talk to them nah, 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 and it's like, they can't even, nah, 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 right? Yeah, okay, so you're seeing it. This is where you're awake and you can suss through the bullshit. And that's incredible. That is completely incredible. It is really important that um, you are able to discern this on your own. That's very, very important. Now, <laughs> I wanted to get into, uh, I don't know if I should though, you guys. I mean, I don't wanna get into the artwork yet. Because if I get into the artwork, then I have to sit with it. And I don't want to because people are still talking about it. I already talked about the artwork. <laughs> so for all you loser journalists that don't know what the fuck is going on with the artwork, go to torysaid.com that a, an amazing private citizen who I don't even know created and look and see Hunter artwork or something. And unfortunately, it is a digital... Um, you know, it's like speech to text. So sometimes you're, you're going to have to paraphrase or put whatever. And that is where you're going to see how I had talked about this before the media. And then the media is now talking about it, but they're still not telling you the story. So this is how we have to focus. Just focus so you can see. I wanted to, you know, maybe I should do that. Hold on. Let me pull it up. Um, is there the video? Uh, let me see if I have the video audio for it. Um, because I can, I find the article, but I can't find the audio clip. What? Hold on. Okay. I want you to see what they're doing to poor Sidney Powell, right? Because this actually happened and people were actually questioned. And, and I don't want to play Fox or anyone else. I want to play CNN. Okay. Because we need to listen to them. Remember when we were doing the elections, what channel did I say was going to be the one that was going to give us the real outcomes and is going to be fair. Uh, let me look at the chats. I want to see what you guys, what you guys remembered from that day. What I said was the best channel to watch the elections on. That's right. It was CNN. They tell you more through their lies and deceit than anyone else. You should always pay attention to what they have to say. Well, lawyers are not supposed to file groundless lawsuits. When they do, the worst that usually happens is the case gets dismissed and the losing side has to pay court costs. Now, in rare instances, though, when a civil action is frivolous enough or filed in sufficiently bad faith or under false premises, the court can sanction the attorneys involved. 
Well, today, Sidney Powell, Lynn Wood, and other lawyers who sued to get election results thrown out in Michigan faced a federal judge. By most accounts, it did not go well for them. Judge Linda Parker asking the attorneys if some of their assertions, quote, should have been obviously questionable. Just to remind you of some of those assertions, here's a small sampling of Sidney Powell's statements about the 2020 election. What we are really dealing with here and uncovering more by the day is the massive influence of communist money through Venezuela, Cuba, and likely China. I think the Justice Department has known about this issue for a long time and turned a blind eye to it. The software that goes in other computerized voting systems here as well, not just Dominion, were created in Venezuela at the direction of Hugo Chavez. As far as I know, this is the first case of abject fraud and obtaining a coup of the United States of America. I wonder how much the CIA actually had a role in in starting this kind of program to begin with. President Trump won by a landslide. We are going to prove it. It should be that he can simply be reinstated, that a new inauguration date is set and Biden is told to move out of the White House. And And, and and President Trump should be moved back in. I was trying to read the patches on her motorcycle vest. Joining us now, Michigan's Attorney General Dana Nessel. Attorney General Nessel, thanks for being with us. Wait a minute, did he just clothes shame her? Did the guy that was wearing the latex cap suit with his butt cheeks out, holding his boyfriend by a leash on all fours, just talk shit about Sidney Powell in a vest with patches? Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, my gosh. What is your reaction to what went on in court today? Well, let's just say that I don't think the legal futures are very bright for any of the attorneys uh, that were the plaintiff's lawyers on uh, on the case uh, in Michigan. And I think they face uh, a similar fate in various other states as well. In addition to to several other Michigan officials, you asked the judge in this case to levy sanctions, including financial penalties against the attorneys who filed this baseless lawsuit. Based on the comments from the judge today, do you have a sense of where you think it's headed? I think that we're likely to be successful, but I, I think the takeaway for me from today is this, you know, you heard each and every one of those attorneys, uh, double down on their assertions, right? There was no contrition, uh, there was no recalcitrance. There was no apology. They were unrepentant uh, about the the same lies that they had initially told during the course of this case, all of which had been wholly and entirely debunked. So what I think is important is not just that these attorneys be sanctioned because they've already made um, God knows how much money off of disseminating these lies, but that they be uh, disbarred, that they be stripped of their law licenses because what they've learned, if anything, is that, you know, profiteering off of uh, election conspiracy theories uh, can be very rewarding. And that's why these lawyers need to know that if they try to do this again, that they're going to be unable to. Uh, because otherwise, if they're not, if they're not disbarred, they'll do it again in 2022, in 2024, and soon we'll have no faith in the integrity of our electoral system anywhere in America. See, this is the problem. Even the lawyers themselves allowed the social media influencers and the infiltrators to sway them into how they're going to respond to such activities. So here's where we go to 
what was going on, just so you understand. In the court, right, in the court, they, uh, the judge was looking at a bunch of affidavits. And one of the affidavits, all of them were picked on. Mine was not picked on. The judge didn't even want to fucking touch that. But she touched everybody else's. Even eyewitness ones, right? Eyewitness ones were touched. Uh, one person had put a sworn affidavit. I saw people dropping off plastic bags with U.S. Postal Service uh, in Plymouth, Michigan. The affidavit included phrases as, it was if, or what could be in those bags and said, he believed it looked odd. I mean, that's a statement. It's like someone says, well, give me an affidavit. Well, I uh, walked into the building. I saw a man talking on the phone. I guess it looked like he was talking on the phone. He was holding something up. I mean, I don't know what it was, but he was holding something up and he was talking. So it, that's false. Here's what the judge responded with. Just so you understand how nitpicky she was and how, Every single one was talked about except for mine. She said, um, she said uh, that that is pure speculation. I'm moving on. When the, uh, one of the lawyers for Sydney Powell said, but it's a true affidavit. It is exactly what one believes to be true. They tell what they saw. They tell what they know. And the judge says it's pure speculation. Is it speculation to say, well, I saw two people drop off plastic bags with the U.S. Postal Service at, in Michigan. How is that speculation? I, I saw two people drop off bags. That's what the person said. So it's sworn testimony under perjury, penalty and perjury, penalty. You go to jail, right? Again, I want to stress a lot of these affidavits that the judge knows are just, hey, this is what I know. That's all. I, I don't know what, you know, that is, but this is what I saw. That those are true and factual statements. So to that person, you say what you, yeah, I, 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 they were talking on the phone. I say this because they were holding a device right up to their ear and talking. I don't know what the device was. It was dark, but they were holding it up. So I'm assuming they were talking on the phone. Sign, Joe Schmo. Oh, that's speculation. What? And the question should be, why would you pick on something that's purely an affidavit, regardless if it's speculation, they're telling you what they saw, but avoid mine. That was smashed by the media calling me out, not my affidavit. Oh, she had long hair from the AG. That pressured them not to fall behind it. You see, even great minds get swayed. But what, what, what you should see now is that if they were picking on things that are, by the letter of the law, legit affidavits, and they specifically skipped over mine only, what does that tell you? I want you to think about that for a second. Why didn't they pick on mine? I mean, I'm, mine is so wrong and so false. Why didn't they pick on mine? You see, that tells you everything you need to know. You grill on these things, but nothing in that can be refuted. Everything in that affidavit is 100% factual. You can back that shit up. There is documentation for that and nobody can refute it. The only thing they can refute is my name, but I have a birth certificate for that if they need it. What I did, <laughs> I could get in a skiff well, I don't know. Can I? I could. As long as I get immunity, 
tell them everything I know. So they can say whatever they want. I could say I'm Mickey Mouse, but all of this is true. I identify as Mickey Mouse. All this shit is true. Now what? See, this is it. What do we say um, when someone does something wrong, right? But they don't tell you that they did it, you know, where they're just like, what is it called again? Um, guilty by omission. So the question is, why would a judge who's been sitting on a fucking bench and knows exactly what an affidavit is, pick on affidavits that are legit by the book affidavits, but skip over the only one that everybody wanted to slander me, not the affidavit, me, not the affidavit, me. I'm pointing it out, pointing it out. Just let's, let's be straight. All of them, even ones that it's an affidavit. Like, what do you want? That's what they saw. So she even picked on that, but they skipped over mine. They skipped over mine because when I handed mine in, Everything they needed was there. Everything they needed was sourced. And everything was 100% legitimate. Even calling out that we did it in the Ukraine because it spelled it out on fucking Obama's order. So again, again, mine will be coming into the news soon. If a judge dares. See, the problem that we have is that we've given a lot of power to talking heads like Anderson Cooper here, many people forget that he was in latex with his buttock sticking out, his boyfriend on all fours in leather with a gag ball in his mouth and a leash. And yet he shamed someone for wearing a biker's jacket, right? People get influenced by people a lot. They think they're important because they have a following. Your following numbers don't mean shit. Your face on TV doesn't mean shit. Your big title behind whatever article you're writing, it could be for whatever rag, doesn't mean shit. What stands on its own is truth. You don't ever need to defend it. It will defend itself. And it will test, and it will go under test. It will go under so much pressure as if it's cold, coal, right? Charcoal, coal, carbon, right? That's how much pressure they're going to put on it. Because when it fucking shines, damn, it's like a diamond. It's blinding. It's too blinding to see. Well, no, you can't unsee it. That's how it works. That's how things work. Even though I hate it because it hurts. You know, I hate that human side of me, man. I, I really do. Because it makes that compassion and that feeling of, not being accepted and not feeling loved and being trashed when you've done nothing wrong. It really, really does hurt. It does. But I mean, I'm pretty sure that charcoal when put under pressure hurts too. Now, in the meantime, I wanted to point out that in the U S military, people are resigning. Take a listen. Woke this evening. And so right now team Biden is refusing to admit its quest to transform our military into an army of culture warriors, not combat fighters, is having a huge effect on our readiness as troops. What you may not know is that our armed forces are having a horrible time recruiting new members. There are multiple reasons for this, by the way, as our servicemen and women are forced 
to take gender and racial equality classes and learn about proper pronouns for transgender soldiers. And they also have to sign silly pledges. Yes, they are silly, vowing to be inclusive. The results are forcing many of our brave men and women in uniform to simply call it quits in big numbers. And now it's becoming nearly impossible to refill the ranks. Strong future warriors do not want to be part of a woke, weak military. When the military allows the very insidious doctrines of critical race theory to seep into frontline training, it is very dangerous to unit cohesion and morale. And he's backed up by service member after service member who all say the same thing. The reality is inside our military today, the morale is being destroyed. So while China is building its ranks as we speak, ours is diminishing. The military needs to find 150,000 new recruits each year. Last year, the Army's goal of 61,000 new recruits was 20% below 2018 numbers. And as Biden pushes his Marxist woke agenda on soldiers, he limits the applicant pool even further. As it is, the Defense Department estimates that just 2% out of 20.6 million 17 to 21-year-olds in America, just 2% have the desired combination of a strong academic credentials, adequate physical fitness, and an interest in serving which means the applicant pool's already diminished and now it's even smaller. And think about where most new recruits come from, Southern and Western states, states that embrace traditional family values and core American principles. So being bombarded with a woke leftist agenda instead of training for battle has traditional recruits looking elsewhere. They have no desire to be part of Joe Biden's politically correct military. Dude, I'm telling you, I have friends that are still officers within the military and they're so fucking done. They are over it a hundred million times. They, nothing can be done because you hurt somebody's feelings. You can't tell someone off anymore because they're going to start crying and put a report. You were bad. It's like customer service. You're never going to fucking call customer service. I mean, sometimes you do. Most of the time when you call them, you're calling the bitch, right? You need to be nicer. And it's like, no, I don't. You get paid to listen to me, bitch, and fix my problem. So shut up. That's the way it is. I know people don't like it, but that's the truth. And having dealt on the other end where I have to be the customer service front face, right? I'm telling you, <laughs> this is true story. <laughs> true story. So, you know, I take, <laughs> right. I take commercial calls sometimes to interpret, right? So it was one day that I had logged on to the system um, and said, yeah, you know what? You can send me commercial ones. I accepted them, not just governmental, you know, not just stuff, other stuff, <laughs> but I'll take commercial ones, which includes foreign governments too, right? And what happens is it's usually customers for banks and stuff like that, right? So they call, they don't speak English, they need an interpreter and boom, I turn up. Now, when they caught me on the call, I was in the bathtub, splishing away, having my cigarette, my coffee, trolling the internet, dead serious, in my bathtub. And I'm sitting there and the person is livid and I made them right, you know? I'm like, you go, this is customer service. Now, the person was cussing up a storm. 
Did I get offended? No. I interpreted just as a person did. Well, you tell them that they can't speak to you or me like that. And I was like, I, it really doesn't bother me. The person's upset, but okay, I'll tell them. And <laughs> so <laughs> I tell the person, uh, you know, uh, the uh, excuse me, this is me speaking, not the other person. They have told me to advise you that they don't like the way you're speaking to me or them. I told them it doesn't bother me. But um, they needed to advise you that if you don't speak nicer, they're going to disconnect the call. And he's like, well, you can't not. Well, just don't tell him what I'm saying. And it's like, that's my job. So the guy continues <laughs> bitching and bitching. And then she was like, oh. And he, so then he calmed down because, you know, I was the calm voice. He's screaming. She's all flustered. Right? Can't talk to people like that. How dare you? Click, 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 click. Right? The guy's pissed. He's stranded at an airport trying to pay for his ticket and his card's not working. And he called a hundred times saying that the pin's not going through. And she was upset that he was upset. And it's like, when did your pants, are you not trained in customer service that people are going to call, you know, my card's not working and I'm pissed because usually when you call them, it's not because you're online shopping on J crew. I mean, yeah, you could be, but you're not going to be angry unless you need it right now. Right? So she was so vicious. You guys, I thought, damn, like, how are these people doing this job? If they can't handle it, it's the same fucking thing in the military. If you don't want your superior to yell at you, do your fucking job. If you know, in boot camp, they can't yell at people anymore, that they have to be nice to them. They don't even do the whole, um, gas chamber shit anymore because they might get hurt. Right. My daughter was one of the last people that did that whole gas chamber stuff. They can't even force them to run or tell them that they're fat. Whoa. You can't tell a soldier that they're fat. You could tell them not fit. You need to get into a program, but they can't fire you because you're fat because it's fat shaming. It's part of the fucking job scope. Like, why wouldn't you tell them that? And here's the thing. It's not just the policies that they have. It's seeping in everywhere. So I shared with you guys on Telegram and I'm going to share it here now. Give me a second. Let me, let me get it for you. Do you know what else is coming soon as your phones? Pregnant emoji men. Oh, yeah. So now you've got a guy with a mustache pregnant. Okay? You've got a pregnant man. A pregnant man. Do you see this? Mustache man. Mustache man pregnant. Man with a mustache pregnant. In your emojis. And then people wonder... Why this is happening? Look at all these colorful emojis: mixed race, this race. What? Why? Nobody cares. Just keep them yellow. They're emojis. They're not supposed to be real. But I'll tell you what the bigger plan is and why yellow is now getting color. Okay. Most of the things you watch on TV don't exist. And that is how I'm going to end it for tonight. I'm going to revisit um, an old video, music video of someone's who kind of made it clear. Before I do that, I thought I'd pick us up the mood before I talk on the next topic.
I thought I'd play a song just to get us in a better mood because of what I'm going to say. And, <laughs> and then I'll close it with that. So here's one of my favorite video songs. We must, I mean, we have to, we can't like not do this. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Um, I often note I'm going to circle back. I hate to disappoint conservative Twitter, but I am going to circle back on a number of things, as we often do directly. I'll circle back, circle back. I hate to disappoint you. Circle back, circle back. That's an excellent question. Circle back, circle back. I hate to disappoint you, but we will venture to circle back. This is such a good question. I have not had the opportunity to dig into that. I'll circle back. It was a massive dump to this day. Everyone tried to figure out where did it come from. I'm not aware of anything, but uh, we'll circle back. As a mom myself, I want to know all the details. I have to circle. Come on, man. You know what I mean? I will venture to get you an answer on that, and maybe we can talk about it in your circle. I will have to circle back on that one. But uh, we'll circle back. I will have to circle back with you. Let me give you a very specific example. I'll circle back. Circle back. I need to disappoint you. Circle back. Circle back. That's an excellent question. Circle back. Circle back. I need to disappoint you, but we will venture to circle back. All right. So I had to do that because you guys are going to be really, really angry because now it's only dripping and um, you're going to you're going to be a little bit upset with your government in general. So we talked about Sean Penn and um, I put out that article on Sean Penn and I want to share that with you quickly again. Because what's coming out in regards to the assassination of uh, the Haitian president is starting to focus on exactly what we've been talking about. So I demonstrated to you through pictography, right? Through pictures, who Sean Penn really is. An asset. He's a fact, Film Actors Guild. And I did show you how he met El Chapo while he was wanted, right? And then I also told you how through Hunter Biden's laptop, uh, there were emails indicating that Sean Penn had the opposite pull of Hillary Clinton. So it was Hillary Clinton with, um, you know, health community partners, and um, then it was Sean Penn. I also showed you the names and the faces of these people and all of these, you know, cartel members. It turns out that of these people arrested, and, um, you know, this is from a message that I got, people were ever able, they couldn't hide the fact because they ran them through facial recognition that one of these people were actually an informant for the DEA, which would make sense considering that Sean Penn's group was the one leading them and Sean Penn had access to El Chapo. Now the DEA is claiming that, you know, Oh, you know, our informant um, wasn't working for us. We had nothing to do with the murder of, the president of Haiti. This is where you know bullshit happens. There's no way you wouldn't know, and most of them are Colombian, they say. Um, so Colombian type cartel. A lot of people think that because someone's an informant, 
that they don't have tabs on them. You would know if your informant went to Cuba. You would definitely know that because he's immune to anything because he has a deal with you. A lot of these people, all of these people were trained, get what? By the US military. I tried to say it nicely, hoping that the media would pick up on it and it seems that they have. What you're seeing is exactly what a lot of Americans did not want to see. And that is that there are branches of our government that infiltrate other nations, everything I've been saying I was a part of, to manipulate not only their elections and their livelihoods, but their survival. And this is a very hard pill to swallow because a lot of people believe that, no, 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 we, we know that the UN does that. Any military member will tell you, if you see a UN hat, you fucking run because they are not good. So I tried to say it in, an, in a nice way by giving enough information for people to do their job. And it seems that something is coming out of it, which I'm very excited about because it was very important to show that Hillary Clinton and him were involved. Sean Penn was involved. There was already a report. Uh, well, I, I told you the report where this guy has actually worked for Sean Penn, El Chapo, and now all these DA US military trained forces from various nations. They're claiming they're only Colombian. I'm telling you they're El Chapo's guy. And now they've identified that one of them is an informant with um, the DA. And so apparently the FBI is investigating. Now, while many people are disheartened that um, things like this are going on and that the FBI is involved, <laughs> I want you to understand this. When you want to catch someone in the act, you have to allow them to operate as if they won. Because, you know, cocky people, evil people, spiteful people that think they know better, that think they have power when they don't, right? And diminish real good American people, they soon realize at some point while they're doing their thing that they got caught. They got caught. They got caught. And now what you're seeing is mitigation. I know a lot of the stuff people are like, yes, I'll cream thing. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff in my articles that I know other people can see and pay attention to and realize. And so here it is. They found the connection with the US government and that is gonna ping back you guys like no other. This is horrific. It is atrocious that it is 2021 and we have a government still operating that should have been diminished. And what government is that? The fourth unelected branch, which is a very well-oiled machine. Very well-oiled machine. All right, they're shocked. And so I'm going to 
say this again. What you are going to be seeing coming out will hurt you so bad from the, from, from the perspective of you love your country. You did everything you believed was perfect. You got up in the morning, you um, hugged your children, you know, made your coffee, took them to school, went to work, got a mortgage, paid your bills, struggled, revamped yourself, fell again, stood up again, right? You did everything you were supposed to be doing and you paid your taxes so that your roads were built, your bridges were standing, that uh, programs were being funded that were necessary for those more impoverished. And now you're realizing that all that money that they've been taking from you has been to provide more control to people you've never elected. People that you can't remove because you don't even know who they are. People that you had no say in having access to your money. This is what the great Monty here is. That they have been doing whatever they want on your dime, spreading pain, suffering while mocking you. And they did this because we were not paying attention. And you know when you don't pay attention the most? When you trust the system. And the way you trust the system is because the people before your parents told you to trust the system and their parents told them to trust the system and their parents before them told them kind of trust the system, right? It has to be ushered in generation to generation to generation. Today's generation doesn't even question the government at all. And you're just like, what? Wait a minute. You're self-governed. No, this is a utopia. We're all together. And it's like, no, it's not. And uh, generations we're talking in their 20s. For those that have allowed their children to um, happen, this is this didn't happen overnight. I knew that this unelected branch of government that has global reach existed in the 90s because they recruited me. It's everywhere. And while many still fail to see it, the head of the snake is not the ones that you see in Congress now. The head of the snake is the foot soldiers for the top of the pyramid. And when you realize who owns the top of the pyramid, that's where the magic, you know, spell goes away and you can see everything. So the way you're going to be able to dispel it and see it is by taking a look at South Africa and seeing where they're going and understanding what they're going through. I wanted to show you something on that. Give me a second. Hold on. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I'm trying to find it. Okay. This is in a foreign language, but I think it's important that you see it, even though, um, you might not understand it. I'll, I'll interpret for you since I know that language. And I picked up this one because it had more images. Let me see if they have automatic subtitles for, no. Okay, that's fine. I'll interpret. 
Περισσότεροι από 45 άνθρωποι έχουν χάσει μέχρι στιγμή στη ζωή τους κατά το νέο ξέσπασμα βία στη Νότια Αφρική. Over 45 people have now lost their lives. This is from two days ago. Um, after another um, organized attack in a certain area of South Africa occurred. Με αφορμή τη φυλάκιση του τέος προέδρου της χώρας, Jacob Zuma, ο οποίος παραδόθηκε στην αστυνομία την περασμένη εβδομάδα. Jacob Zuma turned himself in last week to the police and he was jailed. And that is why everyone's rioting. Παράλληλα, σχεδόν 800 άτομα έχουν συλληφθεί στις ταραχές που ξεκίνησαν την περασμένη Πέμπτη ως διαμαρτυρίες μετά τη φυλάκιση του Ζούμα με τις διαδηλώσεις να γίνονται ολένα και πιο βίαιες κατά τη διάρκεια του Σαββατοκύριακου με κεντρικές λεωφόρους να κλείνουν και πολλές επιχειρήσεις να λαϊλατούνται. So over 800 people have been arrested for protesting the arrest of this man and riots have been continuing to, uh, to occur uh, first in concentrated cities and uh, becoming widespread throughout all of South Africa. Πολλοί από τους θανάτους μειώθηκαν εν μέσω χαοτικών καταστάσεων, καθώς δεκάδες άνθρωποι λαϊλάτησαν τρόφιμα, ηλεκτρικές συσκευές, ποτά και ρούχα από καταστήματα, σύμφωνα με δηλώσεις του τοπικού άρχοντα της επαρχίας Κουαζούλου Νατάλ. Κουαζούλου Νατάλ λέει ότι τένες χοντρές, αυτό είναι ακριβώς αυτό που είπε, ανθρώπινες 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 and uh, going through shopping centers, stealing food, electronics, and much more. So in Gauteng, six people died and everyone else from Zunga's area. Just pay attention. So the guy turned himself in to the police and they put him in jail. And then this all started. Μεταξύ των θυμάτων και ένα 15χρονο αγόρι που πυροβολήθηκε στο στήθος με ελαστική σφαίρα. So out of all these people, even down in Johannesburg, a 15-year-old boy was shot in the chest with a bullet. Ανέφεραν τοπικά μέσα μας τις ενημέρωσεις, ενώ κατά τη διάρκεια των επεισοδίων τραυματίστηκαν επίσης τέσσερις αστυνομικοί. Οι λαϊλασίες συνεχίζονται και σήμερα σε εμπορικά κέντρα του Johannesburg, ενώ υπήρξαν αναφορές και για συνέχιση των λαϊλασιών στην Καοτέν. Ο Υπουργός Αστυνομίας Μπέκη Τσέλε σε συνέντευξη τύπου την οποία έδωσε μαζί με άλλους αξιωματούχους είπε ότι αν συνεχιστούν οι λαϊλασίες υπάρχει ο κίνδυνος για κάποιες περιοχές να αντιμετωπίσουν ελλείψεις σε βασικά αγαθά. Η δυστυχία, οι προσωπικές συνθήκες δεν δίνουν το δικαίωμα σε κανέναν να λαϊλατεί, να βανδαλίζει και να κάνει ό,τι του αρέσει και να παραβιάζει τον νόμο, τόνισε ο Τσέλε. Ωστόσο, ο Υπουργός Άμυνας... He's like, look, they're constantly rioting, and the chief of police told them, if you keep rioting, people will be without food and water, and that won't be a good thing. And so they're expecting that these riots are going to continue until he's out. Ο Νοτιοαφρικανικό στρατό ετοιμάζει ωστόσο να στείλει 2.500 στρατιώτε, καθώ η αστυνομία μοιάζει αδύναμη να εμποδίσει επιθέσει εναντίον επιχειρήσεων. He says, Um, the country has not been at the position that they're going to declare a state of emergency for external assistance, but they are sending 2,500 troops to support the police because the police have no power over these groups of people that are constantly fighting. And I want you to pay attention. So right now, for those of you on podcast, people are seeing a group of people in the middle of the street with guns pointed at people. They're uh, all of different race, right? The people holding the guns, right? 
and you see a bunch of people with like street signs as shields. Uh, you're seeing a bunch of just random people running at them. So what's going on here, so you understand, is these people are defending their neighborhoods. And those people that are running at them, that they're shooting at, are coming in order to loot their homes. Οι υποστρατιώτες έχουν αναπτυχθεί σε σημαντικά σημεία όπως αεροδρόμια και προσέθεσε πως η κυβέρνηση δεν είχε προβλέψει την κλίμακα των διελασιών σε εμπορικά κέντρα και ότι δεν έχει ακόμα καταλήξει όσον αφορά στον αριθμό των στρατιωτών που θα χρειαστούν. Ο 79χρονος τέος πρόεδρος καταδικάστηκε τον περασμένο μήνα σε φυλάκιση 15 μηνών επειδή περιφρόνησε εντολή του συνταγματικού δικαστηρίου να καταθέσει στο πλαίσιο έρευνας για διαφθορά σε υψηλό επίπεδο στη διάρκεια των 9 ετών που βρισκόταν στην εξουσία μέχρι το 2018. So just so you understand, the previous president, right, that um, is now in jail, turn, that turned himself in, was actually, he went through court, criminal court, because he refused to provide documentation during an investigation for him, he was undergoing an investigation, to see that he money laundered and he stole money from the nation while he was in power. So the people took him to court Right. The government took him to court to say, you stole money from South Africans and you're going to pay for it. Now, give us the documentation. He refused to provide records. Right. They have a law. They didn't just go in there and get it. They told him you need to provide it. You know, this is it. You must do it because they already had it. But he has to provide it. And he refused. So he was sentenced to 15 months for money laundering and scamming money from the people that he was supposed to be serving. And it was congressionally passed. So he turned himself in because he had to go to jail. So he turns himself in, right, for skimming money off the top from international sources. We'll get into that later. We need to see how this works out before we talk. Because sometimes they speak things to maintain their course, and I don't want that to happen here. Um, So he turns himself in and then suddenly all this looting is happening and all these attacks are being done on citizens just so that you understand how it's working, right? So he stole the people's money. There was a hearing uh, over a period of time. He was found guilty. He was sentenced to 15 months and he turned himself in to go to jail and suddenly they riot. So you have to think, what is really going on? It was very well-timed, very, very well-timed, wasn't it? Very well-timed, super well-timed. The world is literally on fire. Greece is suddenly waking up. Oh, you can't jab our kids, even if you're bribing them with 150 euros. I kid you not. They're like, if you come and get jabbed, we'll give you 150 euros on a prepaid visa card. No joke. That's how they're bribing kids now to come and get jabbed. So what is happening here? France, rioting, England, protesting. Everyone's protesting. What's going on? What's going on? Suddenly the world has woken. Do you know how many people are probably feeling really dumb that they um, went and got the vaccine? Here's a very liberal, a reporter called Greek reporter, you know him quite well. And he had a report on this, that they're protesting against mandatory vaccinations. Who? The Greeks. Who, you know, my mom went and got it. She got it. And I told her why. Because I want to have the freedom to do things. 
Her generation was never a slave, kind of, right? Why would she end up like that? Why would she just comply? Okay, you want to know what they're chanting? Aliti prodotti ishampati. Okay, aliti. Um, I'd like to say loser, wanker, asshole, you know. Prodotti, traitor, and then fraud. That's what they're chanting. they're singing their national anthem i'm proud that they are doing that why because it just says i'm joyous and joyous for freedom where were they when they needed to step up but you know what they're going for their kids and do you remember what churchill said it's not greeks who fight like heroes it's heroes who fight like greeks because the greeks with sticks and stones were able to push back armies this is not going to end well for a lot of people because they can, they'll sit there. You can beat them. They were slaves for like 400 years to the Turks. Like slaves. Their women were being raped and thrown off cliffs. Raped. It just takes one thing to piss them off. And you know what? Actually, let's have that conversation. So, obviously, two things spark off wars and revolutions, right? One is women. There's an old Greek saying that says that if you see a boat nestled in mountaintops, a vagina dragged it there. You get, yeah, okay. If you see a boat dragged to the peaks of a mountaintop, a vagina dragged it there. Helen of Troy, yeah, she was the she was the fire starter on that one. It was always a woman, always a woman, always a woman that sparks revolutions. And the other thing, when you come for their kids, oh dear, God loves His children. And that's something ingrained in anyone. And so this is where the, the, the problem sits. See, in the United States, you would think now that they're like, oh, it's just a small bout of myocarditis for children. No big deal. Parents would be up in arms. And they are. But most of them aren't. Why? Because they have destroyed family in the United States. Hey, you're 18. Get the fuck out. Right? That's what they say. Right? I'm like, no, live with me forever until you're ready to buy a house and and do whatever. You can stay here forever. You don't need to go anywhere. Don't pay rent. I want you here forever because I love you. And I want you to have the biggest boots. When you decide that you want to go set your roots, you have the biggest damn boots and you're comfortable and you're ready. But they have torn that in America. They, they destroyed family slowly. But in countries like Greece, where family is everything, I mean, I'll tell you what. <laughs> This is a true story. 
my kids having lived all over the world, right, with mom, um, they are not comfortable with people just walking into their house, right? Obviously, because of the type of work I did too. But when we're in Greece, right, visiting, my aunt, cousins, second cousins, they all had keys to my house and they would just walk in while we're sleeping. I could be in the bathroom, right, taking a shower. Oh, hey, I'm here. And it's like, hey, John. Da, da, da. You know, that's my cousin just walking into my house, just dropping off some oranges. All right, have a great day. Bye. Family is everything. Kids are everything, right? You can fight with your family about everything. You will. You can even be at a point where you're both throttling each other around the neck, and then some random person comes and attacks the person that you have your hands, your hands around their throat, and they'll be like, "What? What'd you say about my cousin?" Right? That's the way it is. So it's a very tight knit community. So when now you're telling them, I'm coming for your children, I bribed them and they wouldn't take the 150 euros, right? So now I'm going to force it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not good. That is not good. See, because the Greeks, it's always a woman, always the kids to spark it. And that's how they started. Remember the whole Arab Spring? They did the old guy, right? And the kids, right? That's how it is. But in America, you're literally killing our kids. There's a kid that's paralyzed. That parent must be devastated right now, right? Paralyzed. Kids are paralyzed from this vaccine. And they're like, oh, it's no big deal. If you just wait a long time between both shots, right? The myocarditis will go. Yeah, you're just going to have a little bit of heart tissue die. It's no big deal, really. It's just myocarditis, an infection of the heart tissue in your child as it's developing. It's no big deal. That's the problem. That is the problem that we don't embrace family as others do. So those that do are out on the streets now. I mean, and it's not only Greece. Hold on. Let me get that. I think I have it. Hold on. I think we could find it. On Bastille Day, they're protesting against COVID-19 passports in France. So now, if you want to go food shopping, right? If you want to do anything, you got to have a COVID passport. That's the law in France. I mean, did they expect anything different? They're fucking president is a co-prince. Remember, he's also a prince. <laughs> like he gives a shit about his objects. Wow, right? And you know, these scenes are a little bit overdrawn, but you know, they're protesting. Listen, that country just told their citizens, if you want to eat, you better get the vaccine. That's the important thing, the takeaway, not the fact that they're burning it. I mean, it's important. Not the fact that they're rioting out on the streets, but the fact that if they want to be able to do anything and live, that they have to get the vaccine. That should tell you everything you need to know. They think they're in control, but in fact, they took the bait 
And now I see why there were so many delays. In the United States, not a lot of people are focusing on this. And that's okay. Because back in 2018 and 2019, I told you, the EU is going to fall. And it will. Because of their commitment to relinquishing full control of their nations and not looking after their citizens, they will be the first to topple. The United States has the opportunity to stand tall, strong, and firm for the people around the world. They look to us for movies, music, humor, fashion, technology. They look to us because we are the melting pot of everyone. This is why the United States was designed to show that individuality together thrives. That doesn't mean that we all lose our identities. That means the French are French, the Italians are Italian, the Germans are German. And yet, even if you take pluck one person from every nation and you put them in the same room, they can create the most incredible things because they all have different eyes, different ears, different hearts, different shoes, right? Different tastes. This is why America was selected. And this is why this is the most difficult nation to drop. Because it is a collection of everyone on the planet. And it is important that we stand united. We only need, like the social media statistics say, 1% to change the world. One drop to take that glass from a full state to overflow. So how do we do that when we don't realize that most of the things that we're watching are not even real? Remember the Cuban, miss Cuban miss Missile Crisis? That was a fake. You guys all know that now. That was pretty crafty for back in the day, right? Well, let me show you someone who talked about that. Actually made a video and music about it. I showed this video once, I think. I think I should show it again to close. Thing. Oh, and there's on Twitch. We're going to raid. I want to surprise someone. <laughs> I want to surprise someone. Hold on. Give me a second. Okay. Watch this video. Pay attention and listen. For those that aren't watching the video, listen to the words. That's all you have to do. Yeah. The Illuminati knows the answers, taking bone samples to clone rappers. But the artists in prison to silence their vision, genetic copies going home after. They look different, eyes shifted, smile missing, skin lifted, it's scientific. If they can't control you, they erase the old, you get your duplication to enforce the message. They come Gucci, come Kodak, come to Manette, he ain't rap since Encore.